Volume 2, Chapter 15 of Evelyn, or A Heart Unmasked, a novel by Anna Cora Mowat. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 15 Devotion's links compose a sacred chain of holy brightness and unmeasured length. The world with selfish rust and reckless stain may mar its beauty, but not touch its strength. Eliza Cook From Catherine Bolton to Evelyn Merritt March 19th I will write to you, my beloved and suffering Evelyn, and I trust that my words may impart that peace to your mind for which you have so vainly sought. Endeavour with calmness to read what I shall write, or the errors which are clouding your mental vision and disturbing your spirit cannot be dispelled. You speak of the denouncing voice of an angry God, but Evelyn, can a being supremely pure and perfect be moved by an evil passion? Can God, the infinite and perfect, bear anger towards the feeble, blind, and finite creatures of his hand. God views those who err with the tenderest compassion, such as is consistent with his incomprehensibly holy nature. He would win them back to himself. He would bless and comfort them. But he cannot know anger. The literal meaning of the sacred scriptures may seem to authorize the belief that God is angry, is revengeful, is offended, but the spirit shining through the cloud of the letter proclaims that such cannot be the case. To the eyes of sensual and unspiritualized persons, God seems to be angry when they have disobeyed his laws, for the punishments that they necessarily entail upon themselves appear to them as the visitations of his wrath. But God has himself declared that he is a God of love. Think of him as such and you will realize how great is his mercy. You tell me that you pray for heaven, and ask if it is possible for you to be received in that home of the blessed. Heaven would not be heaven to you unless you were fitted to enter into its joys. It would be a place of torment unless your life and the quality of your affections had rendered it a congenial abode. Heaven is only heaven to the pure. But if you ask if you can fit yourself for heaven, I reply most truly, you can. And you will make earth a type of heaven by that earnest endeavor. You bid me say whether or not the wrath of God can be appeased by endless supplications, and whether there is efficacy in prayer. God needs not the adoration of such as we. It cannot increase his might, nor add to his glory. If the worship of our hearts is grateful to him, it is because by that worship we elevate our spirits into the light of heaven and open them to the reception of a heavenly influx. It is because we benefit ourselves, and therefore sincere prayer, the prayer of the Spirit is efficacious. Yet God cannot grant unless we are in a state to receive that for which we pray, for he cannot violate the laws of order. God, 
who is divine love itself and desires the happiness of all of his creatures did not create the universe for his own sake but for the sake of those with whom he will dwell in heaven and that he might impart the beatitudes and felicities of heaven to us we were all born for heaven many turn away from the promised land offered to all alike but god closes not the gates of paradise upon them the evil cannot enter in because paradise is not paradise to such as they you speak of a change of heart but i hardly think that you comprehend the nature of that change which is necessary the change to which christ alludes when he says that we must be born again we all inherit evil propensities from our parents some greater some less these evils are not appropriated to us that is we are not responsible for them until we have sufficient rationality to reflect upon them and see that they are evils then it is our obvious duty to struggle against and to shun them if we fail in this the evil propensities become our own and we sin by indulging them to become aware of these evils inherent in our nature to examine our hearts and to combat against and overcome our inclinations to sin this is to be renewed in spirit to be born again this renewal is essential to those who would obtain heaven for the impure cannot dwell with the pure there are two essential attributes given to us all rationality and liberty without these two attributes this renewal of spirit could not be effected it is through this principle of rationality that we are enabled to comprehend the meaning of good and evil and to distinguish what is false from what is true and we are at liberty to do good or evil and to love truth or falsehood we cannot be reformed when we are in a state of rationality and liberty our hearts cannot be changed by compulsion for this reason we cannot be reformed while laboring under a heavy misfortune for though we may pray to god and implore his assistance we are under constraint and when the memory of the affliction has passed away we generally return to our former habits and our lives are unchanged neither can we be reformed in a disordered state of mind because disease of mind takes away rationality and the liberty of acting according to reason nor can we be reformed in a state of bodily disease because reason then is not in a free state for the mind is affected by the body and when the body is ill the mind suffers if you believe my words are true perhaps you will grieve at this last assertion beloved evelyn you will tremble lest your repentance should not be effectual it lies with yourself to render it so your future life when you recover must be the evidence that you have renounced your errors and that you will follow the light that shines about your steps but if i should die now i hear you exclaim i answer if your repentance is so genuine that should you have lived your life would have been changed in spite of strong temptations then evelyn even though you should die to-night it is my firm belief that in the world of spirits you would be permitted to fit yourself for heaven but what is this death which appalls you 
this great change which appears to you so awful. It is frightful to pass from one land to another. Death is nothing more than this transitory passage, the body, worn by disease or age or impaired by accident, can no longer be used as the instrument of your soul's operations in this world. The spirit leaves it, often without a parting struggle, and the worthless shell returns to moulder in the earth. But the spirit, what becomes of it? It has a spiritual body of its own, distinct from the natural, yet of a similar human form. It possesses all the faculties, all the inclinations, all the affections, all the capacities of enjoyment with which it was endowed in the world, possesses them in an inconceivably higher degree than during its sojourn in the natural body. And it passes into the spiritual world, continuing its existence to eternity, and in progressive degrees receiving the greatest happiness which it is capable of enjoying. If the spirit be evil, it finds no delight except in the gratification of its evil passions, and that sinful indulgence entails the most dreadful consequences. If the spirit be good, the greater its purity, the more exquisite its joy, and its perfection and felicity increase forever. And this spiritual land is the land of which death opens the portals. Can you then regard that death as the hideous Charon wafting us over an inky sea and landing us upon an unknown shore replete with horrors? To me, death appears as an angel of light, crowned with roses, stretching out its tender arms to embrace the newly imprisoned spirits and guiding them to gardens of indescribable beauty. Is death then so fearful? Banish impurity from your heart, and the terrors one by one fleet away from death's dreaded brow, and a garland of loveliness twines itself in their place. I have written boldly to you, beloved Evelyn, on many grave subjects, but my assurance sprang from an internal conviction that I wrote nothing but truths, demonstrable truths. I am half inclined to reproach myself for not having spoken with more humility and less positive confidence. But how could I write as though in humble uncertainty of those truths which were to my mind indubitable? In glancing over my letter, I thought it almost too serious and perhaps too stern for one in your state of health, my sweet Evelyn, and I was inclined to strike out or soften many portions, but I remembered that the most healthful food for your disordered spirit was simple truth, and left what I had written unaltered, left in, in sincere hopes that you will comprehend my meaning and receive comfort from my reasonings. I must entreat you, dear Evelyn, to give way to no violent bursts of feeling. Excitement will retard your recovery, and you will thus render more distant by an hour of great happiness to those who love you as tenderly as your true and devoted friend, Catherine. End of chapter 15